House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I am Al Warren, and Mr. David Martino is back. I'm back. Where did you go? Back once again. Yeah. Karate? (laughs) Doing karate again? Always. Always. Every Uh, martial art. (laughs) (laughs) I I noticed with a lot of um, martial artists in your videos that you guys have, uh, everyone that's getting older have big stomachs. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's called master's belly. Master's belly. Yeah. Well, how, come, how come in the movies they don't look like that? Uh, we well, you know, liposuction. Oh. <laughs> Dietitians. Oh, I'm I working see. on it, Al. You're saying come it's on. all fake, right? It's all fake. Yeah. I'm working fake. on it. I will, I'm, I'm going to get rid of this belly. Yeah. No, no. It's the I'm Steven the... Seagal look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If I get any calls on that, it's your fault. Um, no. Okay. Well, send it my way. Yeah, I will. I'll just give him <laughs> your number. Now, it, now, uh, speaking of Steven Seagal, <laughs> we're talking about action, thriller, and adventure today, and we've got a writer that covers that. So, Mr. Jack King, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. And I want to make one comment, which is, uh, yeah, most of the action uh, martial arts figures or uh, Asian, Chinese, uh, Singapore, and they just naturally have slim, very slim tummies. I play basketball with a lot of Chinese guys, and they can be in their 40s and 50s and early 60s, and they still don't have stomachs. It's not fair. Yeah, it's not right. <laughs> it's not. It's not right. <laughs> Poor old Dave there. He's uh, he's, But he's going for that Steven Seagal look. So. Yeah, that's yeah. Except for the hair. <laughs> yeah, no hair and, and no ponytail. Yeah. Oh, that's good. No man buns here. No. So, so Jack, now, um, I always wonder what gets someone into writing about this kind of thriller, this kind of action. Um, how did you find yourself in this place where you're, you're writing these books? Well, uh, to be honest, I, I had an itch to write for probably about the last 30 years or so. And... I didn't get around to writing my first novel until I was uh, 57. I'm I'm an older guy. Um, don't look at me, God. But um, it'll come. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm 72 now, and I still look 20 years younger, naturally. But anyway, um, the first couple of novels were uh, time travel fantasy series and historical fiction. And uh, well-written, you know, people liked them. Uh, But I I really wanted to write something that was going to be, that would have a chance at being a bestseller. And so I kind of looked around and looked at the genres that were the best-selling genres. And romance is one, or some kind of theme of romance. And thriller was the other. Well, I'm not going to write romance. So that led me to thriller. So what I did then, my, my writing style previously had been almost like, uh, gosh, the writing of the Victorian uh, adventure writers, like the Sherlock Holmes, for example, all the way through the early 50s, you know, where it was more of a flowing style. And, and I knew that wasn't going to work. So I went back and I reread 
the first two bestsellers uh, of James Patterson over and over and studied that style of writing. Um, so when, and I changed my style of writing 100%, 180 degrees to be that style of writing and writing these crime thrillers, uh, which means it's short sentences, short paragraphs, short chapters, gritty, choppy, uh, dialogue is, is, is hard-hitting and punchy, uh, et cetera. Uh, and so, I mean, it was just total change in writing style. Um, so my current series is a crime thriller series in which I, I plan for the main character to be with us up until he is retired from the police force and then has his own uh, private investigative agencies in multiple cities around the country. And then if the series is still going on, I'm going to have him retire and his oldest son take his place. Uh, the other thing I've done in this series is there's eight years in between each book, but it's the same character. So book one, you see him in 1985, and he's a sergeant. Not a rookie, but he's not experienced yet. The next book is eight years later. Um, and you see him progressing his, his, both his career and his experience level. The one thing he has from the beginning is a gut feeling, an ability to uh, know when something's up, when something's not right, uh, to um, you know, have you know, instincts, great instincts. And think outside the box and act outside the box. But that's how I got into writing this type of writing and this type of books is because I'm wanting something that could be made into a you know, Hollywood on-screen movie or it could be made into uh, a you know, TV series. But something that would sell well, whether it's in print or whether it goes on screen. And that's that's where I'm in the direction I'm in right now. Well, how did you? Um, so you, you're in this. You've got this detective Cliff Husto or Husto. Um, how do you come up with a character like that? And how much of yourself is in that character? Uh, well, I I have. Let's just say that I have someone that is um, that I've come across that it was a kind of a prototype of that individual, um, a cop's cop, if you will. And, um, and so, you know, a lot of the, the personality traits and everything uh, is, is kind of a, a combination of what I saw in that individual and other, other individuals as a composite, uh, plus my own, perception, if you will, of uh, a police detective that was a good guy, uh, a good Joe, a uh, good family man, you know, not a skirt chaser. You know, the, the early norm uh, novels that had the detectives where they were the private eyes, where there wasn't much difference in morality between them and the guys they were chasing. And I wanted someone that was more realistic, true to life. You know, the vast majority of 
police detectives across the U.S. are honest cops. They're good guys. You know, they're married. They've got kids, probably. They're probably good role models, uh, you know, and it, probably the majority of them are religious. You know, if they're in the East Coast, they may be Catholic. If they're in the East West Coast, they may be Episcopalian. You know, if they're somewhere in the middle, they may be Methodist or Baptist. But they're 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 this good guys that have gone into law enforcement. Um, and uh, so I wanted a guy that was just a good all around Joe uh, and stark contrast to the serial killers and in nut cases that he's chasing the crimes he's trying to solve. So that's how I came up with that, that, uh, that main character. And like I said, there's eight years in between each book. And so you see him progressing. Eventually he, he'll become uh, the police chief. Um, and then after that, next book, you'll see him. He's retired from the police force, but he started his own uh, private eye company agency with offices in three different cities. Um, so, so that's something that's also unique. You know, mo most crime books that are written, uh, crime thrillers, detective books that are written, um, you see the next book, and as far as you know, maybe a year's passed since the last episode. They don't really tell you, you know, or sometimes they do, but it's usually just a short time. Um, and so, you know, it's, it, there's not any real progression that you see. And I wanted something where people could identify with this person, see him as, as he's maturing, and kind of really identify with him uh, and so forth. Now, would you ever go back to earlier times with the character to maybe flesh that character out in between uh, those, uh, those three books? Well, I've got book four is with the author right now, uh, Vile Blood being edited now i'm right working on the fifth novel even as we speak so i mean i i had you know seven novels planned and if it keeps selling i'm going to keep going you know eight nine once he retires i'm going to have him replaced by his oldest son um but as far as the time in between the eight-year period no it, it's like 1985 you know 1993 uh you know 2001 2009, 2017, 2025. And by the way, a lot of the national or world events that happen in, in, in those years, or even the local uh, events that happen of substance within city of Houston or incorporated within the books. Right. Wow. Like this, la this last book where it takes place in 2000 in the, uh, 2001, um, it has the events of 9-11 incorporated within the story. So you, you must do uh, a fair bit of research before you do each book then? I do tons of research. Uh, obviously, since I'm not, a, I'm not a cop, I haven't spent a 40-year career, you know, as an investigator or forensic scientist or, you know, a cop on the beat. Um all this comes from meticulous research, and I and I go into everything. I go into you know file cases I can find, uh, descriptions of the procedures and methodologies, um, you know the the latest in forensic techniques and so forth. 
um, the um, interaction between cops themselves, you know, at work, um, just all kinds of things. Because I, I want people to read my books and believe that they're reading true crime. And and vast majority of people that have bought my books and have read them think that. They, they think these are real cases. They think these are real forensic cases. And, you know, and that's that's exactly the impression I wanted to leave. I wanted to have so realistic that there wasn't any any gaps and holes in, in believability or plot or, you know, procedures or whatever. Um, and that people would be not just entertained, but they would believe that this is actually happening or this has actually happened. So where do you get your ideas for the crimes or the, the bad things that happen in each book? Well, one of the things I do is I have the, the serial killer or killers and the type of crimes different in each book. And that's, that's on purpose because I want, I want to cover different, a different genre of crime, if you will, uh, in each book. Uh, so we're kind of capturing, you know, the full spectrum. And the first one has the classic serial killer, but, you know, what turns that person into being a serial killer? What turns him into someone with no conscience and a, a thirst for killing, a thirst for blood? And it goes into that, as well as the killings and, and how this, the individual is almost a ghost. There's no evidence left behind. There's no physical traces. Uh, you know, there's no forensics. Uh, I mean, it's, it's um, cat and mouse until he's finally caught, you know, toward the very end of the novel. Um, but then, you know, the next novel, it, it, ha it gets more into, um, gosh, the second novel, it, it goes into everything from a Gulf War veteran with PSTD and, uh, and um, uh, you know, uh, vicious gangs and anti-government organizations and uh, college Students, Islam college students are becoming radicalized to, um, uh, you know, a, a, a gay serviceman. This is before Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And he's, he's uh, bullied all the time by comrades. I mean, a whole host of possible suspects that could be doing, you know, the bombings and the serial killings so that the reader is, is left to try to choose and try to decide before the end of the book. Uh, and that, by the way, that's another thing I've added is not just the writing style of early James Patterson, but it's the plot device of Agatha Christie, meaning there's a multiplicity of viable suspects in each book. And you, the reader, have to try to figure out who the guilty party is, the murderer is, before the end of the book and the surprise ending, shock ending. Just like when you read one of her books or you see one of the movies made from one of her books, uh, you know, Murder and Orient Express, you're trying to decide, determine yourself, play detective and see who, you know, who the guilty party is. And I, I have to tell you that I have yet to have a single reader successfully choose the right serial killer in any of my three books so far. So I've done my job of 
keeping not just page turning but in, in suspense, but then guessing. Um, uh, but but anyway, that, that, that I follow that in, in all all the books yeah. where it's multiplicity of suspects. Now each book will stand alone, right? You don't like someone can, can pick up can, book two and yeah, um, I know you can, each book can be standalone. In fact, if you want to have something interesting, um. Like, let's say, you know, book four is done and it's out and it's, it's late fall when the publisher comes out with it. Um, what would be interesting is for a reader to get book four and then get each book backwards, <laughs> book three, <laughs> then book two, then book one, rather than starting with book one from the beginning. Uh, if you follow, follow it, that would be yeah. kind of interesting <laughs> to me as a reader if I were doing it myself. Uh, yeah. but, but each book, each except it's except that it's the main same main character and eight years in between, each book seriously can be read can be read standalone. Yeah. So how do you yourself keep track of uh, what happens? Like so, for book one to two to three and and onward, um, when you're putting an eight year period in there, um, do you, well, how do you how do you do that? Yeah, no, that's a very good question, and that's another thing that I do is. It takes me as long to write the detailed chapter-by-chapter chapter outline as it does to write the book. I will have a detailed – I'll make each chapter a standalone story. And everything about it, the characters, the plot, the timing, you know, the research, um, plot twist, everything, and go chapter-by-chapter-by-chapter-by-chapter. By chapter by chapter by chapter. You know, if I've got – you know uh, – uh, 13 parts in the book and it's got 110 chapters. Every one of those is, I, I get all that outlined before I even start writing. And I, I double check my research. I double check that there's no holes in the plot, that there's nothing that is, uh, in, that is uh, inconsistent or unbelievable. Uh, I check to make sure that, you know, it flows, uh, all of that before I even start writing. Um, and so there's no confusion of characters, there's no confusion of, you know, uh, twists and turns in the plot, which there's lots of twists and turns. Um, and that's how I do it. It, 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 I, I may, it may take me, you know, two months to get a two or three months to get an outline totally done um, before I start writing, because I want to keep everything straight, not just with it, within itself as a standalone book, but within the previous books and what's happened with the previous books and characters that were in the previous books, especially other um, co-workers that was in the previous books, et cetera. Well, I'm wondering how you experience your characters. Um, do you have an inner monologue? Can you hear them? Is that how you create dialogue? Is it uh, more that uh, it's, is it more visual for you, uh, like watching a movie? How does that work for you? It's, it's kind of both, if you will. It's kind of both. Um, I uh, sometimes when I'm writing the dialogue, I visualize in my mind as if it's an actor that's on screen that's saying it. And other times, you know, I'm kind of reacting to the, the plot flow uh, and trying to get, you know, the dialogue, dialogue written as it's as realistic as possible. Keep in mind, this is, you know, nor detective, crime, bloody bad, bad villains. Uh, and so the one, one thing I do is I keep the good guy is a good guy. He doesn't use profanity, but people he's chasing and, and, and people that's other people, 
they use profanity sometimes profusely. They 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 talk as if they had been in prison for you know twenty years, and they they've done armed robbery, and they've done murder, and they've done this, and they've done that. It's it, it's very realistic in that way. But writing a dialogue is kind of a combination of the two. There's sometimes I almost see it in my mind as if it's a movie, and other times I'm just writing dialogue and thinking, okay, is this, is this realistic? Does it sound like if someone's reading this, this, you know, that this is believable? Well, um, so when you, when you do these, um, you said you, you know, there's, you've got seven books kind of that you want to do in this series. So have you already kind of outlined all seven of them first of all? Oh no. Oh no. I, I don't start outlining until I'm starting on the new thing. It's, 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 it's an arduous process to do this outlining. Yeah. Trust me. I don't know. I don't know if any other writer that does the detail that I do. And I, I, I'm, you know, been Facebook or LinkedIn friends with tons of writers, not just, you know, a lot of indie authors and those are hybrid publisher pr- printed and, uh, you know, some best selling authors and all kinds in different genres. And I don't know of anybody that take that does the kind of detail in their outlining that I do. And, and I do that because I want it to be cohesive and realistic and consistent and believable throughout. I can't tell you how many times I've gone back and reread bestsellers, even Pulitzer Prize winning novels. And after reading them years and years, I find something that's just a major plot hole that just and now I'm just so disappointed because it just that was so stupid for the author to do that um and I'm not going to name the names and call them out but there's there's a lot of books out there that where it's it's just not consistent it's not or it's not believable or it's um silly you know something you've done with the plot for example and so I I want to have something that there may be other criticisms, you know, say writing, for example, I don't know, but that's one area where I don't want to have anyone ever have any criticisms about books. Yeah. I want them to be, you know, just cohesive throughout. Believable. Well, well, do you kind of know where you're going to go then? Like, even in the seven books, do you kind of know where, what kind of the primary part of each book's going to be, the basic story even, before? <laughs> no, not really. I, um, I have a general idea, but then try to flesh that out. It, it's almost like, um, oh, let's say, let's say some guy says, oh, I, I think I want to have a vacation island. And they know what the island looks like. And they know, you know, that it's, it's you know, got beautiful beaches and it's got this and got that. But then once they get on the island and they own it, they start developing it. And they build out all these kind of things, and it they it take years to build it out. That's kind of like what the process is. I have a big general idea of where I want to go, and then I've got to start building. Huh. Now, what what and do you have a process? Are you uh, can you just round off time in your day? You know, like say, well, nine to five on Monday and Wednesday I can work, and can you just sit down and turn it on? Well, actually, I've been. Uh, doing consulting for sales and marketing for um, last five or six years. Last time I was 
with a company. I was an EVP of their sales and business development. But that's been a while I've been doing. So I, I can make my own schedule. And, you know, sometimes I'll write middle of the day. Sometimes I'll write it's early morning. Um, it, it just it just depends. I, I don't write full time. I don't write 40, 50 hours a week like it's a full time job. Um, and if I have any kind of a writer's block, I back off for, you know, two or three days. I think the longest I've ever backed away was, was like a week or week and a half. Uh, and when I come back, my brain's thinking again. I, I found a, a way around that roadblock and, and we're moving again. Well, ha- have you taken anything from your business career to um, inform your knowledge, uh, inform your novels? Or it hasn't helped you to um, create the novels with the, with well, the experience let me, tell you you what, let me tell you what has helped. Um, I originally wanted to be a history professor. And I went through undergrad and a master's and a year's work on a Ph.D. before I realized there weren't any jobs. I wanted to be a university professor, you know, Division One. And it was like less than one half of one percent of Ph.D. graduates a year before got jobs, real jobs. I don't mean right. teaching in high school or, you know, or something not even in, the, in teaching or in the field. Uh, and so I got a, got into business, got an MBA. And then when I got out, I was in originally in the advertising agency business. If you've ever seen Mad Men, you know, that mm. series, that's, that gives you a good idea. <laughs> uh, then I went from there to being head of marketing on the client side and over time I got into sales and, and uh, managing sales teams and then as my career progressed I was managing sales and marketing you know the sales teams and marketing but what I did learn from all that is how to research from you know being in, in history how to research and then how to be cohesive in my writing just from the business sense because I, I was I was always if you call it call it the copy chief every place I, I, I was if there was any marketing to be done even if I was the VP of sales and marketing I'd be the guy writing it because I was the best writer they had you know if you follow what I'm saying whether it was a right. you know a, 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 a um, brochure uh, you know a PR piece uh, uh it didn't matter what it was. I, I was always the best writer at, at every company I was at and uh, the in the departments I was in, even if it was a Fortune 100, a Fortune 1000 company. Um, so I always had that ability. But the research and learning how to research was invaluable because I couldn't I couldn't do what I'm doing unless I did the kind of research I did into the chapter by chapter, uh, you know, foundation and and before i before i start writing the books so when you when you write this do you uh just each book have sort of a point to it or a subtext or something that uh you hope the reader will take away besides the entertainment value well i always have one character in each book so far and I, i'm going to keep that up where They've either been a damaged character or a semi-criminal character, uh, but by the end of the book, 
that person has found some form of redemption. I'm not talking about religious, okay? But some form of redemption and turning your life around uh, and being a better person and having, you know, a good, normal, happy life. And so every book kind of has that person that kind of comes out at the very end, very, very, very end, uh, where you see that, you know, they're, they're, that they're going to have, uh, you know, a much better, happier life from that point on. And so that's my way of, of showing people, telling people that no matter what you're going through, uh, you know, if, if you are committed, you know, you can come out on the other side and be a better person, have a better life, you know, be strong, you know, stay strong and keep fighting. That's kind of my, my message to people as they're reading, in addition to the entertainment value, you know, of the books. Right, right. Um, so now in the new world here of social media and uh, everything, um, do you like to interact with readers and stuff? And if you do, how do you like to do that? Do you have like Facebook, TikTok? Where, where, where can people find you? Well, I'm such an old guy that I'm, I'm, I'm not – that's one area where I probably, you know, should have had a professional. Uh, even though I was in marketing for all those years, uh, it, was, it was old line marketing. Uh, you know, the print and TV and um, radio and uh, long before, you know, the Internet and social media started happening. I mean, I, I have a LinkedIn where I have, you know, close to 30,000 connections, which is most you have. I, and Facebook, I had up to 5,000 for the last six years. Um, and, um, and you know, I have, I'm on um Instagram and I'm on uh, Twitter, uh, but but I wouldn't and I do interact a lot with readers and and other authors, but I wouldn't say that I'm very skilled at uh, doing a, a high level social media marketing, um, you know, sophisticated campaign. Uh, I'm, I'm just not. I'm I'm still learning a lot of things, even though I I knew a lot of about marketing and selling in the business world. Uh, book marketing is in, in social media is a totally different animal. Right. Do you have a website then that people can go to? Uh, I, I, I don't have an updated website. I have an old website. You can still go to it that has my earlier books. Uh, I have not gotten around to updating the website or creating a whole new website. That's got the new series. I, I have a, a new author that is doing uh, this new series, and uh, not new author, excuse me, a new publisher. And um, I just haven't gotten around to having a, a new website created yet. Oh, well, you know, get on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so um, th- how, how was writing for you the last couple of years with COVID and everything going on, all the strange things that have been happening? Uh, and I asked that in the sense that do you think um, – when things are kind of strange in your life or around you, do you, do you have a problem writing? Uh, no, no. No. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't write as a, uh, uh, to, you know, to make things better. Some people write because it's therapeutic. I, I don't No, I, I write because it's in me to write, you know, whether things are going good or bad on other things, other parts of life, 
still have the desire to write. So, and COVID, quite frankly, um, since I was writing out of my home office anyway, made no difference whatsoever. Right. Right. Okay. Well, where do you see yourself going then? What's, what's coming up next? You've got the, uh, the new book out, the, uh, you know, uh, false blood. Well, I have, a, I have, a, I have a, a new book that's being worked on bio blood that hopefully will be out, um, this fall, uh, late fall. Uh, I have the next book in the series and I'm in the midst of finishing up the chapter outline before I start writing. Um, and I'm beginning, I'm beginning to reach out to, you know, possible contacts uh, within, you know, the film industry and the, the TV movie industry uh, to see if I might be able to get something to bite there uh, to get it turned into either an on-screen movie or maybe even a, a TV series. So that's something that's beginning to percolate some heat. Well, great. Well, good luck to you on that. Well, um, we really appreciate you being on the show and uh, very interesting conversation. Now, the book, the newest one in the series is called False Blood. And the guest has been, we've had the guest, the writer, uh, Jack King. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, guys. And my pleasure meeting you, David. Take care. Thanks, Jack. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.